Welcome to Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work, a podcast intended to showcase best-in-class practices on burning issues related to disability and employment. I'm Nasha Ely, Business Relations Consultant with the Business Network Division of Michigan Rehabilitation Services, Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Dr. Sriram Narayanan, Professor of Supply Chain Management at Michigan State University. Hi. Each episode, we will be having conversations with employees, employers, firms, community organizations, not-for-profits, and other state organizations that are doing outstanding work in integrating individuals with disabilities into the workforce and allow them to share their experience and stories. This production is a collaboration between the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University and Michigan Rehabilitation Services. Collaborators for this episode include the Michigan Diversity Council, Comcast, and Genesis The Church. Our first episode is a single conversation divided into two parts. We all know how difficult COVID-19 has been for all of us. This has been especially difficult for individuals with disabilities working during COVID-19. Throughout episodes one and two, we want to focus on how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted work for individuals with disabilities. Our first episode is a single conversation divided into two parts. This episode is part two of that conversation. So if you have not listened to episode one of Abilities, Opportunities, and the Future of Work, we strongly encourage you to do so before continuing with this episode. Without further delay, we continue our conversation with Darlene King from the National Diversity Council. Thank you, Nasha. Darlene King um, with the National Diversity Council. Amanda Hines from Genesis The Church. Thank you, Nasha. My name is Amanda Hines. I am the communications lead at Genesis The Church. And Jennifer Zapp from Comcast. Hi, my name is uh, Jennifer Zapp. I am an employee with Comcast. Do any of you feel that COVID-19 has changed your workplace, positively or negatively? You know, let me say for, for, for us, um, it, it, it changed the, the way that we deliver our business and our services. Uh, it didn't change our mission or our vision or our appreciation for the work as a whole, but it, I, I think that COVID-19 has caused all organizations to have to pivot in some shape, form, or fashion uh, just because of the nature of staying safe and, you know, being corporately responsible to, to your employees from, from, you know, looking at it through, through that lens. And so it, it has changed us in that manner. But what it also did is it slowed us down to be able to take a look at some things that we weren't addressing before. 
because of the hustle and the bustle of being moving all the time. You know what I mean? And just going and doing and doing and doing. And so it literally slowed us down to say, hey, here's a piece that we didn't think about, or here's a group that we didn't, you know, we haven't shed any light on, or, you know, here's some more opportunity for us to have better ideas about collaboration and policy and procedural changes, you know, that impact us all. So it really caused us to take some deeper dives into the work that we do because we literally had the time to do it, you know, literally have the time to do it. Thanks, Darlene. And and that slowing down, I think, is a consensus with a lot of people, but thank you for sharing that. And for Amanda and Jennifer, have you noticed any changes in your workplace due to the pandemic? Um, and you want me to go first, Amanda, or would you like to go first? No, you go first. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually going to be pretty like serious about it just from a functional perspective that for me, the isolation, I live alone, I'm single. So working from home has been really difficult for me because a lot of my social anchors were going to the office and talking to people and seeing people every day. So that's definitely been um, difficult for me, sort of the isolation from working from home. Some people love it. I am not living my best life. <laughs> but, you know, as many of us are working virtually, I think it's been unique to learn how to engage and manage workloads and keep employees motivated and continue personal development via teleconferencing and chat. That's really unique. Um, and for us at Comcast, we're using Microsoft Teams a lot. We've been creative about how we use it to build connections remotely, not just professional, but also social. We have employee resource groups, such as My Abilities, which is how I came to be part of this podcast. Um, we have an out group. We have a Black employee network. Um, and these employee resource groups are open to all employees. So it, we say you don't have to belong to, to join. And it's, it's helping people build connections and foster inclusion, education, you know, fun, out does an amazing like drag queen bingo virtually. We have a lot of fun in that respect and we get to know each other as human beings um, outside of sort of the labels. And I think that's been a great opportunity for COVID. So while there's a lot of negatives, I think it's forced people to really find new ways to connect and realize the importance of connection. You know, you, I know for myself during this time, the things that I miss are not the things I thought I'd miss. It's the people. It's the connections, it's the relationships. It's, those are the things that you miss the most. It's not shopping, it's not being able to go to the grocery, you know, those things that I thought you'd be really sad about, they're, they're sad, but it's the people and the relationships that you're missing the most, I think, during COVID. And that's, that's telling. It is, and thank you, thank you for that. Cause you know, at the beginning of this, it was like, I can't see this person or that person. And I just, I know for me personally started doing a lot, like I don't mind being on Zoom, I actually love it especially when people turn their cameras on <laughs> or teams. I'm like, please just turn. I just need to see a face. I need to just look in your eyes, even if it's on the computer. So that connection piece for a lot of people, I think has been um, a difficult where some people are like, I don't want to zoom anymore. I'm like, where's my next meeting? I get to see a face besides the people in the house. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> so that, that is awesome. Thanks. And you brought up an awesome point with not just even work connections, but getting to know people deeper that you work with on a social side, um, I think this is allowed it because when you're in a building, you leave work and that's it. 
you may or may not engage with someone after work socially. You leave work, you go home, you come back, you work. Now, because we're trying to engage professionally and get some social interaction, I think it may be leading to some deeper work connections because people are trying to, you know, let's do a, um, a happy hour on a Saturday, just, you know, for our team, or let's do some uh, scavenger hunt at, you know, the first 10 minutes of our next meeting. So you're, you're developing better relationships during this, even though you're not physically connected, you're virtually connected. So I think um, to all the negative, there have been some positives that have come out of this. And, and you know, some people say, like Jennifer mentioned, the isolation is difficult because of the pandemic. Some people physically who have not had to work in their homes, so their homes aren't set up to have, you know, the best chairs or the best desk or the right heights. Um, ergonomics has become a big issue. So now maybe people that didn't have carpal tunnel or back issues do because they've spent the last nine months working on the couch or at the kitchen table and things aren't, you know, the right height or their vision may be a little bit different or impacted. I know I'm in a bifocal now and I was like, what? <laughs> I can't believe this, but I could not see. And I found myself leaning into a computer, which was causing more strain on my back. Um, I'm so excited because I'm getting a new new chair for Christmas. I'm like so excited about an ergonomic chair. So all these little things. So it, it, it even if it impacts your workplace, you know, you know, feel free to discuss how it has impacted even your disability. Um, COVID has been kind of um, a mixed bag for me. As being staff at a church is very hard during this time because you have so many people you're responsible for. And there are a lot of people who have different emotions. The church is the place they voice them. So, um, <laughs> So it's been kind of difficult trying to make sure that everyone's happy, everyone feels heard. Um, but for me personally, I do know that it is harder on my body because like you said, I do a lot of work from my couch or my bed. I have a desk with a nice chair, but I feel like sometimes the, you know, depression gets, you know, when you have chronic pain, you just have more depression. It, for me, anyway, it exacerbates my depression. So there are times I'm sitting in bed working. Um, so it's not great for me physically and sometimes not great for me mentally because I'm dealing with different you know, personalities and um, it just sounds like I'm a curmudgeon. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of information and a lot of um, things to deal with, but I feel grateful that I am able to do this, to be able to work from home. Because if I was a, if I, if I was not married to my husband, who works at Ford, who we have great insurance and the ability to not work if I didn't have to, I don't know what my life would look like. I don't know how how I would have survived you know, not being able to, you know, sit down for too long or stand up for too long or bend over to, for too long. So that, that part has been a, a blessing for me. I just, I'm aware. I think when you have chronic pain, you're aware 
you're aware of your body, you're aware of your disabilities and your limitations. I guess what I'm saying is that COVID has made me really face what it is that I deal with on a regular basis and to look at what I need to do to be well, because I don't have a lot of things to distract me. You know, going here, this place and that place, you can ignore some things, but it's made me focus or have to focus, you know, on my body and my mental health. Thank you very much for sharing that. I, I, I was going to say that, uh, uh, to be frank, I mean, these are so pers such personal experiences. We want to thank each one of you to be that you're sharing uh, them with us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do want to bring up one follow-up question on this, that, you know, if, if you were uh, to advise employers, not just your employer, maybe any employer who wants to hire people with disabilities and work with them effectively, what would be strategies you think they should be following in your mind? This is something that we we work on daily, <laughs> you know, daily in the nature of the work that we do, working with organizations and trying to help them understand the value in diversity and understand the value inclusion. And so for organizations that may be tuned in and that are listening and that are trying to grasp the importance of it. You know, data always helps, you know, statistics and data is always important, especially when you're dealing with CEOs and presidents and HR professionals, they want to know the numbers. And when you look at the numbers for the business case for workplace diversity, equity and inclusion, organizations that are more ethnically and gender diverse um, and just diverse, including other um, areas of diversity, they outperform other organizations by 35%. That's a huge profit margin. When you look at organizations opposed to those that are not genderly diverse or not ethnically diverse or just are not diverse uh, at all from, from, from that perspective. And so companies really need to begin to take a look at the importance of inclusion and how inclusion of all people from all walks of life and all backgrounds and experiences really create um, a more cohesive brand, really creates a more uh, profitable organization. It creates a more inclusive um, environment and a more equitable environment uh, and the ability to have greater uh, exposure and branding opportunities from an external um, perspective. And so it is so um, important for organizations that expect to be sustainable in the 21st century to get their acts together and begin to understand and appreciate the differences that people have 
but the strengths behind their differences and what they can bring to that organization and offering them in growth. Because here's the deal. The reality is, regardless if I sell a product and or a service as a company, I am servicing those with disabilities or I have a client that has a disability that is African-American or Latina or LGBTQ or any one on the spectrum from an autism perspective or anyone within in, in any of those particular categories. Those are your customers and your clients that you are servicing external perspective. And so it is imperative for companies to have their organizations look like the communities that they serve. And in order for that to happen, they have to be inclusive and take a look at and, and examine their own internal components to say, who are we and what are we? And do we look like the clients that we serve? Because if you don't, then you're really not servicing your clients. You're taking their money. <laughs> but are you really servicing them? And are they? Are you really doing what you need to do to be able to understand how to service those clients, how to grab a larger portion of the market share, how to uh, really be able to provide better products and services for those that support you as an organization. So companies either need to better get on the bandwagon or they are going to be left in the dust in later on down the line in the 21st century. So, so that, that's my recommendation. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Jennifer, would you like to go next? Sure, I mean, I would definitely agree. I think that's one of the things that Comcast is really passionate about as well, is making sure that our employees reflect the community, that our programming reflects the community. Um, you know, I'll just speak again, I tend to focus on the mental illness piece because that's where I, I sit, but you know, given that one in five people will experience some type of mental illness in their lives, I think there's an urgent need separate from being an employer, but just as a community to recognize that full health involves mind, body, and soul. So we have focused so much on physical health and we've spent a lot of time there in the world, but I think mental health and, and even, you know, spiritual health has sort of been, you know, left to the side. And I think that as a company allowing us to come together and I meet people from different groups and we have conversations that enlighten me to their experiences. It allows me to have more empathy for what they, they experience every day. And through empathy, I think I develop more gratitude for the things that I do have. And I hope that they do as well. So as we look at each other's challenges and we look at what we do have, it gives you a two-sided, two sides of the coin, right? I, I'm more empathetic to the struggles of others. I know how to contribute more to help others. And that makes me feel good because I'm serving others and, and offering benefits to others. But it also allows me to be more grateful for the things I do have so that I don't feel so much like I am a burden. Um, there are things that I can contribute to others that make their lives better. And I think that purpose is so important for people in the community. So maybe, I, I know that some people talk about it from a financial perspective, but maybe we take away that financial perspective and say, this is about doing what's right for people in a way that has nothing to do with money. It has to do with purpose. It has to do with kindness. It has to do with inclusion um, as a society. Thank you so much. That was very insightful. Uh, Amanda, do you have any thoughts on 
what employers can do and what message you have for them? I think if you are an employer and you have people with disability, um, whether they be physical or mental, um, I think it's very important to ask their perspective when you are dealing with the community at large. I have a pastor who, first of all, checks in just randomly and says, how are you doing today? You know, are, I appreciate you. I think you do a wonderful job. And that just random, you know, random acts of kindness, is, it brings me joy. But I think when you are an employer and you're aware that you have people with disabilities, I think it would behoove you to ask them hey, how would you see this from your perspective as a person with anxiety? Do you think that we are being aware in, in how we're doing things? Are we being accommodating in how we're doing things? I think that it, it would, it's, a, it's a really important thing to use the resources that you have, um, whether that be um, physical limitations or what, I, it depends on what it is that you do for your company, but I think it would behoove the people that are in leadership to ask the people who are dealing with um, certain issues how how we are running our business. Is that being accommodating to people? You know, diverse people, um, people with you know different disabilities. Like I said, I just think it would be it would be very helpful for them to ask the people that are working for them. And Amanda, I, I totally hear you. We have to be careful with that yeah. <laughs> for legal purposes. Yeah. But if you have a culture of asking everyone, you know, what can we do to make our business more successful? How can our business be more accommodating? And, and literally being that type of person with everyone, how are you checking in? How are you today? You know, is everything okay? Did you have a good weekend? Then you create a culture of openness where everyone hopefully will feel comfortable and ask, answer those questions and feel okay saying, you know, I noticed it's very difficult to open this front door. Maybe they can do something about that because I'd imagine if someone had difficulty standing independently, they wouldn't be able to open that. And this might be someone without a disability. So kind of just being that person with an entire organization, um, because if you only focus on the individuals that you know have disabilities, you can yeah. have a lawsuit. Just putting yeah. that out there. <laughs> yeah. So just being that person with everyone. <laughs> but that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just having it, I guess I will say having an open environment or um, a, a transparent environment, mm -hmm. an environment where people are able to actually voice truly how they feel, that would yes. be really good for an employer to do. As we are wrapping up, is there anything that we missed or any final thoughts you just want to share um, with the audience? Like something you were like, oh, I wanted to say that, but they didn't ask. I want to say that during this time, I was able to put um, some of my feelings into writing, which has been really helpful. Um, I had a book published in 2009, a children's book dealing with bullying and um, it's called Grandma, Why Didn't God Make Me a Bird? Um, and it had to do with feeling your self-worth, you know, understanding your self-worth. I also think that being a veteran is hard because 
if you're a veteran, people assume that you're strong and you know exactly what you're doing and you shouldn't have any problems because you signed up for it. And getting help with disability and veteran services can be tough. Um, there are a lot of veterans who are homeless today because it's very tough to be a veteran. But I am, I don't want it to seem like I'm a Debbie Downer when it comes to my mental health and physical disabilities. Because as you said before, Darlene, you have to be your own advocate. You really do. You have to be your own advocate. You have to speak up. You have to say something. If you don't have to go around willy-nilly telling everyone everything, but at least find people that are, that are safe, people of peace, to be vulnerable with. Because when you keep things in, it eats away at you. It really does. And you have to share it and you have to put it out there. And if you are not being open and honest and vulnerable, you're not going to get any help. I have been blessed to find many people that love me and care for me and help me and carry me. And um, I just think that if you're, if you're quiet about your disability or if you hide it and if you're shameful about your disability, you're not going to get the help that you need. I'm just going to share something. I noticed twice you're like, um, you know, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or I don't want to be a curmudgeon. And I just want to make sure that you allow yourself to have bad days. I think that, that, that you have to be strong every day and be perfect every day and be cheerful with disability and face these challenges with a positive spirit. And that's not realistic. And I think anyone that would expect that from you is, is not being giving you the opportunity to be human. So I just hope that you know that you're allowed to have bad days and you're allowed to be grumpy and you're allowed to be you know, like a bear with a thorn in its paw. And that's okay. I don't, I just want you to know that because I, I heard it and I've done it to myself and I, I've seen other people do it that struggle. And it's not right to say you have to always be happy and you always have to be carrying this burden with, you know, a smile on your face. You don't. And no one should expect you to. Just my two cents. I love you because I, I started to think, oh my goodness, I'm being actually a little too vulnerable, but I want to help someone and give them the positive advice that Nasha and my other friends give me on a regular basis, because I need that every day. Every day I, I need to be reminded, is okay. It is okay when I am in bed in my moo-moo and, you know, I'm, I'm having a bad day you know, but I need to be reminded of that always. So I was giving a do what I say and not what I do kind of advice in that moment. <laughs> I hope so. Cause I, you know, I, I have friends that have mental illness too, and we've helped each other. There's days when I'm up and they're down, there's days when I'm down and they're up. And I think that's part of the nature of society is that, you know, we have our ups and downs so we can help each other through them. Yes. And um, I just don't want you to put that pressure on yourself. That's a lot of pressure. It is. It is. You know, I have to agree with both Jennifer uh, and, and Amanda from a personal perspective. It is, it is, it is challenging. You know, you have your up days and you have your, your down days um, dealing with, with a disability, you know, and even though mine is not in the category of a diagnosed mental um, illness uh, category, but having struggles not being able to to see for you know you're 
what, 42 years old and, and, and you've been able to see for so long and then all of a sudden you can't. You know, that within itself brought about an enormous amount of depression and an enormous amount of fear um, because what you knew to be normal is was no was no more, and the ability that it, it the 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 um, chances that it would never get back to that 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 level of normalcy, and so you know there still is a lot that comes along with it. You know, there's medication, you know, that that comes along with the loss of my eyesight that I have to constantly take because if I don't, then it could occur again. Um, you know, what occurred before. And so it could occur again if I don't constantly, you know, take the medications or have a spinal tap every three to five years, you know. So there's challenges and struggles, you know, that 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 interrupt what you refer to as your norm. And so you you, Jennifer is right, you're not gonna always have great days. And it's okay to have a bad day, you know, and it's okay to say, okay, today is not my best day. Um, and just go off and meditate and relax or sleep or do whatever it is that you need to do because you know yourself better than anyone else. And so when you get to that point, it's okay to do that. And so I think that they have done an amazing job with, with, with explaining you know, the, the ups and the downs of um, the challenges from you know, a personal perspective of dealing with the, the struggles and the challenges that come along from time to time um, with, with, with having um, a disability. But my last parting words are, is really goes out to leaders and to organizations and to corporations um, that are listening um, or supervisors or managers um, that, that, that are listening. Uh, it is your responsibility to be inclusive. It is your responsibility to lead from a place of inclusion and to understand what an inclusive leader looks like and what, a, what is an inclusive organization and an organization of inclusive culture. It is difficult enough for individuals that are dealing with a disability to just cope mm -hmm. from day to day um, and to be integrated into society um, and have the rights and opportunities to have a job and have a career and have benefits and, you know, have access to a quality of life. But it is organizations and leaders who oftentimes are the hinderers of those individuals having that opportunity or feeling comfortable enough to self-identify or feeling comfortable enough and vulnerable enough to say, hey, this is who I am and this is where I am. And I, that is the responsibility. Also, when we when I talked earlier about, you know, the responsibility of the individual whole with the disability and then that partnership with the organization as a whole, organizations have to get to the point of um, getting to a spirit of an inclusive organizational culture that is going to be embracive um, and that's going to embrace those that are different um, in order to for us to get to a more um, unique 
and unify an equitable society. So if you feel you need help and assistance on understanding what that is and what that looks like, I immensely advise you <laughs> to figure it out um, because you have a responsibility the minute that you took that role as a leader. And it is your responsibility to um, be inclusive and to be equitable and to unite both um, from an internal perspective as well as an external perspective. So this has been um, awesome and amazing. And I thank you for the opportunity. Darlene, I would like to piggyback on something that you said, the, the responsibility of the leaders. I know that when I first got out of the military, I did continue to work as a dental assistant, which was like I said before, hard because you're standing um, for hours or you're bending over without a lot of support. Investing in better chairs or um, equipment to help um, is a must. It, it, you have to do it to be able to not only accommodate the people with disabilities, but to stave off other disabilities. It's just important to do. Um, so maybe taking a um, anonymous survey of how can we better help you physically so you are not in pain. I mean, just and to, and to invest in that. If you if you want your company to be successful, you will invest in your employees. Um, it's just common sense. And Amanda, what you just said was universal design. Mm -hmm. So that is something that. Um, some companies are all about it and some aren't and if you need an accommodation that's when you'll get better equipment but universal design can definitely help stave off and prevent some of those issues and if it doesn't work for a person that does have a, a disability then it can um, be a, a reasonable accommodation if that's not a good enough fit but universal design is, is what you're speaking of and I think that's you know thank you for sharing that. I was going to share one more thing. I, I think for this conversation, a lot of us might fall on the, the furthest end of the spectrum when it comes to physical challenges or mental challenges. Um, and I think it's important for employers to realize that while we may be on the extreme end, all their employees fall on this spectrum of struggling with mental challenges or struggling with physical challenges. And maybe they're not so acute that they're the point of a, a true disability. But I think um, having that opportunity to allow people to have that spectrum and have care for those needs along that spectrum is so important. I don't, I, you know, these conversations that we're having about our struggles and things, we're at the extreme end, but all your employees are having these struggles to some degree. And so by allowing these conversations to happen, um, it gives people an opportunity to get the help they need and, um, you know, actually contribute to the well being of everyone in the community, all your employees. Well, we thank you all today for showing up and sharing your stories. Um, I may say being vulnerable and open um, and just being with us. And, you know, we just really appreciate you being here today and taking time out of your busy schedules. Um, I know we asked for final thoughts, but if you want to plug anything, I know, Darlene, <laughs> you have uh, the Michigan Diversity Council. If you want to give a, a Facebook page or a website, feel free. Um, Amanda, you have- Sure, your sure. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. So the uh, Michigan Diversity Council. So if you are an individual, a leader, an organization looking for support in workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion, we are here on a local level as well as a national level. And so we can be found at michigandiversitycouncil.org. That's michigandiversitycouncil.org. And if you want to reach out to me directly, uh, you can reach me at Darlene, and that's L-E-N-E-D-A-R-L-E-N-E, -E -E, uh, at nationaldiversitycouncil.org. Again, Darlene at nationaldiversitycouncil.org. So, so please uh, reach out to us if you are looking for any type of assistance in understanding how to implement better um, accommodations and opportunities for individuals with disabilities, um, plus more. Thank you. Um, I work for Comcast, so I think the only plug I'll say is that we are a com you know an employer that is committed to DEI. We're committed to diversity. We're committed to providing opportunities um, for people of all abilities. Um, so. You know, supporting businesses that do that kind of work is important. So if you're going to spend your dollars and you need a cable provider, I guess I'd recommend us because these people need so much opportunity and we give so much back to the community. Um, I don't really have anything to plug because, you know. You don't your book. Oh, oh, my book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that book I wrote. Um, I, um, like I said, I wrote a book um, and had it published in 2009. I'm currently working on two other novels. Yes, at the same time, because, you know, why not stress? But um, so, so hopefully they will be coming out soon. I'll be writing under AC Hines. So if you see something out there, you know, soon, hopefully, um, that'll be me. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of Abilities, Opportunities, and Future of Work. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted to future episodes. We want to take this opportunity to thank many individuals that have helped us kickstart this podcast. Especially, we want to thank our colleagues in Southeast Michigan Employee Resource Group who helped and participated in several brainstorming sessions, offering their advice and helping us plan this project. We also thank individuals at Michigan State University that helped us in reviewing podcast content and questions. Uh, again, we want to thank our guests, Darlene King from National Diversity Council, Amanda Hines from Genesis The Church, and Jennifer Zapp from Comcast. Um, finally, last but not the least, uh, our able podcast editor, Tyler Gross from Michigan Rehabilitation Services. Uh, this is Sriram Narayanan at Michigan State University uh, with my co-host Nasha Ely um, at Michigan Rehabilitation Services signing off. We want to remind our listeners that this podcast is a commercial-free community initiative just to remind you that if you have ideas, thoughts you want to share with, directly with us on the topic of abilities, opportunities, and future of work, please do consider reaching out. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Until next episode, remember, some of our participants are so humble and amazing, they even forget that they are a published author. Um, I don't really have anything to plug because, you know. Your book. Oh, oh, my book, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>